Welcome to World on Drugs, everybody. I am your host, Steve Fury, and we got another banger on our hands, folks. This one comes from my producer, Dr. Joe Hoffswell, assistant doctor professor at Western Kentucky University. He might be at Louisville so soon. Hope the best for you, Joe. If you guys have been watching me lately on the old uh, Instagrams, your boy's been on tour with the one, the only, the machine. <sighs> um, yeah, man, so it's been great. I don't know really what else to say about that. Psych, we're about to talk about quite a lot about that. Um, as you guys know, I was with him on the Hot Summer's Nights tour, then didn't really have anything all year maybe one or two until this and we had a huge run i've been here with him a week now it's tuesday to tuesday um you know sorry whenever the pod can come out hopefully wednesday but you know it's kind of hard when you're on tour smashing with the machine um it's been sick you know weekend feels like three weeks start off you know first day flew out um from sacramento went to phoenix red-eyed it then I went to Cedar Rapids, and boy, were my arms tired. Uh, it was a tiny little plane to go to Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids, how do I... Oh, okay, I fly in. I'm, I'm supposed to meet them at a private airstrip right next door because they're flying PJs, private jets. And um, I get there, and they're like hours late. So I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to just goddamn wait at this shitty little airport. I mean, well, actually, there's only one worse, and that was also in Iowa. So I get there and I go, okay, I'm going to Uber. Um, this town has no service. Um, it has no Ubers. It has no lifts. It takes me about an hour and a half to get a lift. I get a lift at some lady's first day. She's got her friend in there. She's like, she's training me. I'm like, how hard can Uber fucking be, lady? You don't need someone to train you. Just pick me up, shut the fuck up, drive me and drop me off. Very nice lady. I go downtown to Cedar Rapids. Turns out the boys aren't going to come in for at least another five to six hours. So I was pretty tired because I did a red eye. So I get in there. I take a little nap ski, a little nap will do you. Then I go grab a sandwich. Uh, what am I going to say about Cedar Rapids? Number one, no one, no one is there. Um, the town is empty on weekdays. Yet there are 50 brand new restaurants and shops. Just a ton. So it's always a little weird. It's just like that episode of uh, South Park, the Sono Sopa or whatever, where like somebody comes in, punts a bunch of money into a place, and there's a bunch of new shit, and you're expecting people to move there. Um, so what happened at the Cedar Rapids is apparently a couple years ago, their levees broke or some shit, or water came so much, and it flooded the town 10 feet up. If you go into the... Um, theater you can actually see a green line on the wall where the fucking city was submerged so in my theory i would say that the city was submerged and they probably then got a lot of money and so then they built all these new shops and stuff like that and new restaurants and um pretty cool restaurants i will so they say that um really good so i got there early i went to this like lesbian hamburger place they like kind of make your own burger um it was really good. Meat was eh, but everything else was fantastic. I'm talking they did the, uh, you know, you get the sourdough, and then they just fucking get it buttered and crisped perfectly, almost like a, a, la, a Texas toast. Bang that bad boy out. Had to take another nap. Getting this age now. You know, if I got anything from my father, um, it would be 
I have a weak stomach, and I need to nap. <laughs> or maybe that's just getting older. I don't know. So um, get back, pass out there. <sighs> Boys finally come in. We start tying it off. Get to meet a guy named Shane Torres. What a guy Fieri ever do to you? If you know that bit, famous bit. Um, Shane never. I never fucked with Shane before. He's a New York guy. Well, he's from Portland. Well, he's from Dallas. Then he was a Portland comic. They went to New York. He has multiple uh, stand-up sets. I mean, he's done Comedy Central Presents, Comedy Central other shit, uh, Colbert, Conan. Go check it out. Really funny. Um, you know, fucking love the guy. Never knew him before. Probably would have been talk shit about him just because I'm not nice to people I don't know, especially if I never do meet them. I'll just throw some slang and some little shit on anybody. <sighs> cool fucking guy, man. So I started hanging out with him, hanging out with Bert. Bert has a new assistant. He's cool as fuck. His name's Peter, man. And this guy is what you want as an assistant. The man is on top of everything. Does shit before you ask it. And he's a cool hang. So it's us. Parfait's still there. Parfait's, you know, he's parfait. And then um, we got Ron the bus driver. Ron's good. But, you know, we have different schedules. Ron has to drive through the night, okay? So, like, I don't really see the world... You know, I am touring the country in a bus with these fellas and Bert. You know, Bert's fantastic as always. And, um, but I don't really see it because we sleep during the night when he drives. And that's why Braun normally isn't at our shows. Also, okay, so that's the first second day. We're like, let's go explore the city. So when you go with someone like Bert or some other big headliner, a big thing for a headliner to do, any headliner, is you buy your opener's food. Even if you're just a middling guy like a nobody like me or you're a huge guy, you buy their food. But when you start going people like Bert, that starts going, um, you know, it's like, give me the menu. And they come out with like a thousand things and everyone just eats a little bit of each and then we box it all up. Then we bring it home. We have or to the bus and we have these things called sneeze nice. Sneeze nice snackers. And that's where you get very drunk in the middle of the night and you just start uh putting stuff together. Making normally it's some form of a nacho. Okay, you're putting a lot of shit on chips, a lot of shit on reheated potatoes. So, second day, where it's game day. It's game day. You know, we got a show that night. Beautiful theaters, man. I've never, I was never really a theater guy. Not in the sense I didn't want to do them, but I was just, I can't sell a theater, and people just weren't bringing me anywhere. Um, so I was nervous, right? This part probably about three, four thousand people, two shows in a night. So we go out during the day, wake up, we're going to go We're gonna go a little Czech town, a little Czech village. Sounds like a racist thing to call people, but it's not. Gets us a little Czech town, we walk over there, we get a pretty good sandwich. You know what the really the thing that blows me away is how much pork the Midwest eats. Or just how much pork people eat. People in the Midwest love like pork tenderloin sandwiches, which is delicious, but also like random, I guess. I don't know. They're on every menu, and they're just... I didn't get one, but I got a bunch of other good food. So we're going to check town, and we get this little breakfast. You know, it's fun. It's good. I'm trying to go healthy. You know, that's the real big thing here on this trip to the last one. Last one, we threw health to a win, but diets and weight is something that we keep talking about every day. Oh, we're also doing the water challenge. Forgot about that. If you're following me, you've seen that. Bert said he was going to give us $50 a day for every day that we pound a gallon of water on top of what he's paying us which is already good so not too shabby to be honest with you there 
So I'm, I've been drinking a shit ton of water. So we're drinking a shit ton of water. Then we get the little lunch at the Czech village. We're coming back, and Bert's like, why don't we stop for donuts? Then we get some donuts, and then we walk by a Italian roast beef Italian sandwich. I don't know what that voice was, a little Scottish pirate sandwich thing. We get a bunch of those. We start eating them. We're getting sick. We're eating a bunch of, God, those fucking Italian sandwiches are so goddamn good. One of the best I've ever had. And we're doing that. Then we get dinner, too. So we're all just kind of fat the first day. And that's kind of the day that we're like, all right, let's start doing stuff a little different here, folks. Let's start doing something a little different here. Go to the show, sold out, fantastic crowds. You know, I do, I get scared a lot going into small town crowds or crowds that are not on the West Coast because I'm a heavy uh, reference comic, you know, like a lot of references that I don't know if people in the Midwest are going to get. These guys have been great. Every show's been great. Bang out that show. Next day, got another show. Bang out that one. So far, Cedar Rapids pretty fun next day we're going to green bay wisconsin getting to green bay this is one of the best days of my fucking life as a man as a sports fan this is also my first arena show yeah folks you heard it a motherfucking arena 7k baby for that ass (sighs) man that was cool so we wake up and we've also been shout so since we have a bus two things about a bus number one you can never poop on a bus um, it gets it's, it gets in the water, or not the water, but like the tank underneath, starts permeating. It's just disgusting. You can't do it. So you need to time out your poops. It's a very important thing. If you don't time out your poops, you can do what's called a hot bag. And that's where you put a bag over the toilet seat, um, kind of the girth of the bag hanging, and you shit into a bag, and then you... I just threw mine out the window. I'm the only person who's <laughs> done it yet. But that was the last trip, and that was solely... Uh, responsible from White Castle, which I'd never had before. Always watched the movie. Uh, Harold and Kumar was very excited to eat it. Ate probably twelve of the little sandwiches. If you've never been there, they buy you buy sandwiches in a luggage. <laughs> it's like a bag of sandwiches or a case of sandwiches, or not sandwiches, little tiny hot dogs. So I ate those. Apparently, everyone knows you shit your pants if you eat them. I don't know why people eat them. I don't know why they're still popular. I thought they're pretty disgusting. But I put them down, shit in a bag, threw it out. So, also, you can't shower. You can shower on the bus, but the amount of water it takes, it's very quick. You got to do it like minute, two minutes long. So, it's not really advised. Okay. So, we've been showering at the theaters. How are theater showers? I would go high school gymnasium. Not bad. Can't complain. I'm living my fucking dream right now. But they're not like crazy you know what i mean so we get to the arena that one i was showering in a uh, like the women's locker room one just whatever we get out we're going like hey we're going to lambo field lambo called bert this is the thing too if you're if you're bert or a friend of bert you're you're given quite a lot in this life you know not that he hasn't earned it the guy's one of the hardest working people i've ever met in my life they call him they're like birdie boy why don't you come on down to lambo we'll give you a little private tour for that ass a little bit of pt for that a um we get there walking up to lambo was pretty fucking cool man put a little smile on my face just thinking about you know because playing madden and, and playing video games for this long also bird at this time throws a little dm to mr a rod not alex rodriguez never alex you hear me look me in the eyes if you're watching us on the youtubes Never Alex Rodriguez. We're talking about the one, the only, Butte, California Community College, Chico's own Aaron fucking Rogers. 
Burke does this thing where he just DMs Aaron Rodgers, you know, like one does. Just throws out a little message to the A-Rod man. Not Alex Rodriguez. I'm sick of you guys saying that. So um, we get there. He goes, hey, Alex. Or, God damn it, I even fucked myself up on that one. He goes, hey, Aaron, got a show if you want to come. Here's some free tickets. Aaron replies, hey, are you trolling me? Is this really Bert? He goes, hey, I'm such a big fan. He goes, maybe I'll try and come by. So, you know, we're all giddy. We're walking into Lambo. Lambo is pretty fucking cool. I would say that. Very cool place. Get the whole tour. What was kind of really funny, I thought, uh, I really thought it was funny, is that um, we couldn't go into the home locker room due to COVID, but we <laughs> We were allowed to go in the visitors, so I went in the visitors, just started licking seats, started spreading that cove, uh, got in there, then we get to go down to the field, and we go, we get to go to the entrance that the that they use, and then when you're walking the entrance, they play um, crowd noise and all the music, and you're walking out, and it is sick, and then you get out to, uh, you get out on the field, and it's awesome, we're looking at the field, um, I ask if I can do the Lambo Leap. If you know what that is, uh, they say no. So that's why my leap wasn't that Lambo-ish, if you saw it. I mean, I think I could have got up there if I put my arms up there. But I'm also 32-year-olds with the fucking destroyed knees and Caucasian. So I got a lot got, got, got a lot of things going against me. So do that. That's fun. Then we leave. Then we go to 1919, which is a restaurant there. I'm going to be honest. I never knew this. That the stadium's packed. I'm not packed, but there's a lot of people there, even on game days. This is like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. People just like to hang out and visit it. A bunch of plump white people from the Midwest. A little cheese heavy, if you know what I'm talking about. A little dairy thick. So we get to the restaurant. I have my first cheese curd. Very fun. We get back to the bus. Getting ready for showtime. Pop a squat in the nap section. Um, these when you nap on a bu- when you sleep on a bus, it is kind of like a little coffin that you get into. You got like a little a little um, kind of like a blackout curtain divider. It's small, but honestly, man, after a while, it gets really comfortable. I kind of like it a lot. So I go in there, nap, wake up, and Birdie Boy goes, "Hey, just got a DM from the old." From the old Aaron Rodgers. He says he's going to come by later. So we're freaking out. We're all stoked. We're not 100% sure he's going to come by. So we're chilling about hour and a half till showtime. We get a knock on the door. It's motherfucking Aaron Rodgers, bro. Aaron Rodgers. He comes in. He sits and he chops it up for an hour and a half. We record maybe the first five minutes. Uh, Bert also always has a guy who's recording stuff too. Um, which is interesting. So, so like, uh, we're recording, you know, Aaron comes in, they're like, can we record? He's like, yeah, no problem. Aaron talks about how big a fan he is. He really, Aaron really likes the Joe Rogan podcast, which was kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting, you know, he's like, hey, you think you know how I can get on the Joe Rogan podcast? I'm like, come on, man, you're not supposed to want to get on this. You're fucking Aaron Rodgers. Stop being like everybody else. So we're talking. Then we shut off the cameras. And Aaron talks about everything, man. Talks about all the stuff. Yeah, you know, talks about his time in Green Bay. Talks about why it's good. Talks about why it's not great. I'm not going to repeat this stuff because it's just for me. Maybe a couple of my close friends. If you know me, you can ask me. And it was awesome, man. It was really awesome. So Aaron chops it up for about an hour and a half, two hours. Then we go in to go do the show. I walk in. And it's a fucking arena, bro. 
Shane goes up first, crushes. I go up first, and I'm like, oh, Shane kind of buried me. Burying someone is um, when you do so good in front of someone that it's hard for them to follow you with their material. I don't really find that happen to me very often. Normally it can happen if someone's going very dirty and you're clean and you go after them. But this one, you know, I've been, I was going after Shane. This is like the maybe fourth time I'm go, I've gone after Shane or, you know, we're done together. So it's not like he's blowing me out of the water. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going. By the end, by the end, I get him, come off stage. And I'm not a guy who's a very, I mean, I, I don't think I have a huge ego. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident that I'm funny. Um, so I get off stage and I go, wow, I go, I go, Shane, you kind of buried me. And he goes, no, 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 I didn't bury you. Half the audience was looking at a man who started a fight. That's how big this fucking place is, man, that there was a fight going that everyone was paying attention to. I didn't even see it. So we do that. What do we eat that night? Thai food? Yeah, we had Thai food that night. And then two of uh, the Green Bay Packers offensive linemen come, the center and one of the guards, Runyon and this big guy from one of the guards. They come and sit down, chop it up with us. They're very into Burt. They're, they're, they're like kind of starstruck, which is kind of funny. Then we get back in the bus and we go to Peoria, Illinois. Peoria, Illinois was the birthplace of Richard Pryor. Ever heard of him? Uh, it's right outside of Chicago, probably like an hour and a half. Awesome, man. Awesome venue. That was one of my favorite shows we did. They were hot as fuck. I think we had two shows. Giant, beautiful theater. I had my man Russ. Russ came out. Got a new fan named Russ. Um, he grows weed. He brought me some pretty good weed. Um, the outdoor shit I don't want. I threw that to one of my buddies. But he brought me some indoor stuff that was really good. And, you know, no, no, no one on the bus really smokes weed. So I only smoke weed, like, at the end of the night when... Um, I'm trying to go to bed because I get some crazy-ass nightmares, so I try to pass that as quickly as possible. And we do that show. Then we take a picture of your prior statue. And then after that, we drive to Sioux City. That was uh, that where I am today? No. That's where no, it's somewhere I am. That was Sioux City. Sioux City was fun. Small. I like I Oh, the spiders in Cedar Rapids were insane. Spiders in the Midwest are insane. Way too many. Way too large. Fucking weird, okay? The spiders in, Su in Cedar Rapids. Packs in corners. Packs of spiders. Like, it, where I'm from, it's a solitary animal. Alone. Creeping. Not here. Packs. Together. Roaming. There were spiders everywhere in Cedar Rapids. Every time there's two things spaced out, there's a spider web in there. <laughs> I fucking hate spiders. Sioux City. Sioux City was cool. A lot of murals. I would call it a mural city. Everything had a mural on it. It's really interesting going in these Midwest towns, too, because they're so old. I mean, everything's made out of stone and brick and so old. It's, it's pretty cool, but, you know, California's just not as old as they are. And everything's a lot newer, especially L.A. or Southern California. So new. That shit looks like a fucking track home. So it was pretty interesting. Those shows, very fun again. Sioux City was great, man. Um... It's fun to see how much people love Burt. Then we take a private jet the next day to Austin, Texas, so Burt can record a few episodes of Two Bears, One Cave. That's the first time I ever got on a private jet. And let me tell you about this private jet. It's all it's cracked up to be. Holy moly. We get on there. They've got like 10 breakfasts for us. Sick breakfasts. Burritos, breakfast tacos, fire. We get there. We eat breakfast. Bert really likes to get drunk on the planes, probably because you get drunk pretty quick. So we get up there, we're drinking, we're doing these breathing games. 
a bunch of fun flying to Austin, Texas. Go to the secret uh, studio right now. It's one of the producer's houses in the extra room, yes. And then I kind of walk around because I don't really like listening to other people's podcasts because I'm not on it. Why the fuck do I care? I walk around, come home. Sick-ass hotel. If you can see behind me, it's really nice. Then I hang out with my buddy Derek Poston, Sam Lopez, and Hassan Ahmad. They were all door guys at the comedy store. Um, but they now moved here. They're one of the people that moved to Austin because Joe Rogan did, I guess. And they really, man, do they really think that Austin's going to be the new L.A., man. Like, that's the crazy one. They're just, like, dead set. They're like, it's just like when Carson moved. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think movies are moving here. I don't think the real industry is moving here. And they're like, well, the industry's dead. It's just podcasts now. <sighs> Maybe. It's an argument to be made. They're like, well, you know, when we're, we're, we're going to be one of the first people here and everyone's going to like us more. And yeah, you know, you might be, bud. But also, you know, the people, there's a stance. I know, they're just got a different vibe to me. You know, I love those guys. And I love Derek, but he likes saying crazy shit. He likes, you know, shitting on trans people and Asians and doing race jokes. It's not really my thing. Um, and he's, you know, Derek's one of my, if you know Derek Post, he's one of my favorite people. But the man loves to argue. And I just don't like arguing. I don't like yelling. He's also a guy who just like yells over you over and over and over again. I'm just like, bro, I can't do it. I don't like this. I'll have a conversation with you. We can debate something. Let's stop yelling. But it was still fantastic to see one of my buddies I haven't seen in a long time. Man, I truly love and have missed. So after today, we are going to Tampa Bay. We're going to hang out with Bert's family. Then we got two shows in Tampa Bay, two shows in Orlando, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, Florida, Hollywood, Florida, Fort Myers. And then I come home. For about two weeks, and then I head out again to do Minneapolis, Rockford, Illinois, Cleveland, Austin, Texas. We'll be back here, Sugarland, Texas, Grand Prairie, Texas, New Orleans, Louisiana. That one I'm really excited to for. Um, you know, this trip has been a blessing. Um, thank you to all the new subscribers and new fans that I've made from Burt. Um, love you guys. Appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoy this podcast. Oh, I haven't even got into what this podcast is about wow how funny is that i just go into all my stuff today we're going to talk about the motor city hitman chester wheeler campbell one of the best assassins worked for the mafia and detroit criminal underground he got a taste for murder in his mid-20s and decided to turn it into a career he was so efficient that he was never directly tied to a murder once he became a full-time hitman enforcer he was found with notebooks containing over 300 different names of potential targets, and 50 of those 300 were people who were already missing or found dead. Today, I'll talk about his early life, his early crime days, his prime assassin time, and how the authorities finally put him away. One of my big questions in this one is, like, why aren't gangsters and hitmen considered serial killers? Especially, okay, hitmen, so I had a conversation with Shane, he says it's because they're getting paid. Fine, but what about a gangster, man? Just because you kill people that you don't like because, you know, maybe they're selling drugs or you just don't like them or they killed someone here. I mean, you start stacking up bodies to me, you're a serial killer. Maybe I think it's because a racism thing that white people are serial killers and other people are gangsters. I don't know. But this is a really great podcast, really funny with my man Shane Torres. Thank you guys for checking it out. I love you. Hopefully I'll put this podcast out soon. It's hard to edit and hard to post when you're on a goddamn bus because the Wi-Fi is not very good. But I love you guys. See you next time. Chester Wheeler Campbell. Get ready. It's a motherfucking party, folks.
Shane Torres, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, we just got off fucking stage in Peoria, Illinois. Yes, we did. That was a pretty killer crowd. They were a good group. They were a good group. They were rowdy, yeah. dude. Yeah, they were fucking, like, I brought Bird up, and then just, like, three dudes in the front row just took their shirts uh-huh. off. I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those. <laughs> it's a fucking big audience, yeah. too, man. I wonder what it sees. It's got to be, like, 2,500 or something. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So today I'm going to be talking about uh, Chester Wheeler Campbell. He is uh, <laughs> the biggest assassin to ever come through Detroit. We picked Detroit because, you know, I feel like Detroit's, like, if you're, like, he's the best basketball player to ever go through New York. Oh, you like, oh, uh-huh. it's like a... I feel like it'd be a bad Detroit is good at murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's the best one ever. Yeah. So I'll talk about him right now. Today I'm going to talk about Motor City hitman Chester Wheeler Campbell, one of the best assassins to work for the mafia and Detroit criminal underground. He got a taste for murder in his mid 20s and decided to turn it into a career. He was so efficient that he was never directly tied to a murder once he became a full-time hitman and enforcer. He was found with notebooks containing over 300 different names of potential targets, and 50 of those 300 people were already missing or found dead. Today, I'll talk about his early life, his early crime days, his prime assassin time, and how the authorities finally put him away. The craziest thing about this motherfucker is he got arrested three times, 16 and on, and never stayed in jail. And never what? Never stayed in jail. What, 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 what? We'll find but, it but, all but, out. Okay. We're going to get it's, to that? It's, it's wild. This guy just kept getting out. The craziest thing is, uh, hey, bud, can you, it's all good. It's Pete, our new uh, guy. This is my question to you. Why wouldn't he be considered a serial killer? I feel like they only allow serial killers to be little weirdo white guys. Well, but so they're not calling him a serial killer? No. Is that part? Oh, well, I I mean, I guess, well, what's his name? John Kuklinski, the Iceman? The Iceman. Yeah. But he's white. Yeah, but he was also a hitman Mm -hmm. and a serial killer because he killed... People unrelated to like being paid for. I think that there's like oh. some. I think it's like if you're tied. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's like a thing of like if the only thing they really have in common is like maybe they are a kind of person, and you're the thing that killed them. Then I I think that's what makes it because if you're paid for it or it's like yeah gang Money. violence or something yeah. like that. I don't think that because it's like kind of tied to an organization. Yeah. Like to be so like there's a, a there's a motivation outside of like just wanting to kill something. Yeah, I think you just fucking yeah, answer for that him, question. I guess perfect. it might be money. Yeah, he was but money. Like, yeah, but like, yeah, like mostly, I mean, I think that is the, the common knowledge is that, um, or the common school of thought, thought? is that no, white yeah. people are mostly serial killers. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of gangsters out there. I mean, but, you know, like, what's the difference between a motive between, you know, uh, uh, the Cream City Killer, the guy from Minneapolis that would fuck little uh, Thai boys and stuff and eat them? Um, <laughs> Timothy, very casual. He would eat. Uh, Who's the guy? He was with big glasses. He would eat them. Know. He made skulls. He would fuck the skulls. Film with stuff. All right. Jesus, really? Yeah, but so what's the difference between motive being sexual and motive being money? Well, I guess if it's money, you're somebody else is involved because someone's paying. Ah, you. Yeah. damn it, you got me again. Yeah, maybe. Because okay. if it was like if I killed you for money and it was just like oh I'm his insurance beneficiary mm-hmm. that wouldn't be like. That would mean like I'm going out killing a bunch yeah. of other people unless yeah. Okay, that's maybe. pretty good. So but maybe um maybe we're just white people are just worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean And then we also don't want to let it seems to me they're like, well, black people can't be well there was the it's like they gave the one guy the Atlanta guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, but he yeah, and then there's also the D C sniper, which, which was like one? the father's son. Yeah, but, but wasn't that both. like a religious thing? I maybe. 
I mean, there's a. I mean, I don't know these people. Yeah, like, I like them a lot. Yeah. So this is Chester uh, Wheeler Campbell. Okay. We're gonna do a little vibe right now. Number one, sick jacket. Yeah, I was gonna comment on that. The dude, he looks scary. Yeah, he does. He looks like uh, his jacket. I don't know if you remember um, in Goodfellas at the end when Ray Liotta has like his like nineteenth mistress and he has a, his apartment yes. all eighties cocaine. <laughs> That's what his jacket. Looks his jacket. Like. So this man, I would give it He's like a hard a, looking dude. Yeah, I would get a scary Morgan Freeman, and it's not really racist. Yeah. It's just, no, no, yeah, like I get it. Yeah. And it seems like he might have freckles, but they're kind of hard to tell with this mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. Scary Morgan Freeman's good. Scary Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go in the pre-Hitman days of Chester Wheeler Campbell. His childhood. Chester Wheeler Campbell was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit basketball. Born on December 4th, 1930. 1930 was a big year, including the first year of the Great Depression, Prohibition of Forceman's Strength. The Zeppelin uh, completes its first flight from Germany to Brazil. Probably some weird stuff going on there. The Gandhi walks the 200 miles, uh, and we go to the moon. No, no, that's the 69. This is where... No, yeah, yeah, I think we jumped a few things. <laughs> that one went a little too high. That's his next one. Uh, this is the one where Germany's uh, Adolf Hitler's National Socialist become the second largest party. So a lot a of weird shit. little different than going to the moon. little difference. Kind of the opposite. We're singing at the yeah. bottom. He was one of six kids who was raised by a single mother due to his father dying when he was in the second grade. Detroit was a very racially segregated and open discrimination against African-Americans during the era that Chester grew up. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty segregated city now, I think. So. Yeah. I, yeah. But I maybe one of six kids. Does it say where he was in the middle of it? Or like No. The, what do you think? You think you're I so, mean, I think. Second I would last. say this. Who's ever spending the most time alone, which is probably not a middle child. Mm-hmm. Is more likely to be a serial killer. Yeah, you yeah. need some weird stuff going on. So maybe on. the youngest, or, but I don't know. Maybe. I would go second to youngest, you know, because youngest, that's like a identity. I was the youngest of my family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Middle yeah. child, yeah. oldest. Second to youngest is kind of like. Yeah, it's a little like if they're 60, you're like, you're like number five. <laughs> yeah. At least this one's the last one. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 He's yeah. Got a yeah, yeah. You've got that's nothing. That's a good point. Maybe that, oh. His first theft and conviction september 1946 chester has his first run-in with the law because he chose to participate in an after-school burglary ring with his friends he was caught breaking into a drugstore with his three friends he had his first conviction at 16 years old school burglary ring probably a little bit of assumption for 16 year old but shane what does that mean though burglary ring yeah because if it means three guys breaking into a place is My that, idea of a burglary ring is you break in, you sell stuff, you break in, you sell it's stuff. Like more, it's like you guys are doing it together yes, again and for again. A while. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah, that's like what well, sometimes the language with these things is weird, you know, because mm-hmm. like, you're kind of like burglary ring. They're like, oh, they broke into one drugstore. Yeah, what well, that's it? what the cops said yeah. a long time ago. We got that from the case file. Uh, me and my producers and me. So, Shane. Your produ- <laughs> yeah, we got, I got this one is Dr. Joe Hoffswell. He is a. Uh, Associate professor at Western Kentucky University. Oh, he helped me with this one. I got another nice. guy. I got another guy in Poland, Peter Grishevich, and then I got another Grave Livingston. They're all really great guys. Lovely. Cool. So Shane, what's the worst stuff you did in high school? Um, like in school or like in that era of time? We'll do in that area of time uh, before eighteen. Um, I guess like a lot of it was. I'm trying to think like the worst stuff. I wasn't, my brothers were horrible, <laughs> and I was, like, maybe a little, like, vandally, you okay. know, but nothing too nothing great. Nothing too bad. I did, I may have shared this story before, but um, 
I got I didn't get charged, but I got uh uh there's a long story short. There's a woman in my hometown called Crazy Agnes, and people would like toilet paper her house and stuff, and bag <laughs> it, and she would sit outside on her back fence post, and like yell at people, and like she was, and I'm saying this not jokingly. She was an insane person, yeah. literally. And it was like you know you didn't know any better. You're 15, but we egged her like the person. Okay. Oh, the human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the like cops were there, and we got in so much trouble. And they were like, "You're getting charged with assault on the elderly. It's a felony." And we're like. We're 15. Yeah, yeah. And we threw eggs. Like, you're the worst. You're trying to just scare the shit out of it. Like, I know we did something wrong. Yeah. But you're like, trying to, trying keep to be like, you're going to get fucked in the ass. These British scary straight. You threw eggs. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Like, I'm going to go to fucking Sing Sing and get boo food. <laughs> My first one is I started selling weed freshman year of high school. I was buying weed and I met this Mexican kid and he was like, uh, he drove an H2 Hummer. He was in freshman's. He had a cowboy hat in Sacramento. You know, we're not we're not by the border. Yeah. And I was buying dime bags for ten. And he would sell me dime bags for five. So then, for the next two years, I start buying dime bags for five and selling to everyone else for ten because he no You're one would know 100% this kid. Hundred percent markup. I'm doing hundred percent markup. Every one I get two, and then no one knew this kid because he was fucking like super Mexican, like. English like he was wasn't in there. school. Like he was like in school, but he wasn't in school. Like he came like he wasn't socially around. Yeah, wasn't yeah, socially yeah. around whatsoever. Yeah. And I sold weed for him pretty much for so long until one day, this other kid that was in my uh, gym classes, black kid, uh, real, it, uh, I would say scary, even though I was like fifteen or sixteen, scary dude, gold teeth, big red, uh, tall teeth. He, but like a tough kid, tough kid, yeah, short, yeah, yeah, but yeah. buff. Like he's, yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's. He's either, you know, he's in prison right now. His friend is dead. Yeah. So he shot my, the Mexican guy's brother. Jesus. And so he tries to buy some weed from him, right? And this is literally, I'm buying $5 dime bags. So this ounce is $125. Yeah. Tries to buy a dime bag from his bu- the, uh, the Mexican dude's brother. And when he gets in there, he tries to rob him. The Mexican brother's like, no, I don't believe you're going to shoot me. Kid blows his fucking head off. Jesus. In the car, and the kid freaks out, takes his car, starts driving, then gets pulled over. The kid you're buying nickel bags from. Or no, the kid that the black kid with the gold shot, shot the guy through yeah. buying nickel bags from his yeah. brother. Okay. I remember the last time I ever brought bought weed from the uh, kid with the cowboy hat. He gave me two ounces. It was like two hundred bucks, and he goes, "All." Oh, it was very weird. He was like, "They killed my brother. It's not gonna happen again." He's like, "I'm like, trying to get out of it." I get. Was that the impression you got? No, it sounded like he was going to go get that guy. Oh, Jesus. And get, like, his friends and family. And then I never talked to him again. And uh, You don't know what happened to him? I don't know what happened to him, man. He seemed like, you know, I don't even know if he was really a, a citizen or anything. He was, like, pretty, like, Hispanic music was blasting out of his age to he just didn't fit in. You know, Sacramento's yeah. a, not a rural place. It's a city. And he had a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. You think he might have snuck in to the country? I think he's probably stuck in the country, went to high school, didn't really give a fuck, had someone that was giving him weed, probably a little bit older than himself. Then yeah. this black kid kills him. And Trying to make, yeah. yeah. And he's like, and he's 15. Yeah, and he's probably yeah. 15. And he just doesn't know what, to, yeah. yeah, and he's in another country. Yeah, that's very, actually really sad. Yeah, it was gnarly. Yeah, he was yeah that's cool way worse than uh, what Making I did. People. Oh, dude, I had, a, I had a gnarly, I was gnarly. I was a whole different person when I was younger. <laughs> February f- 1947 Chester receives his first criminal sentence for burglary to be served 1 to 15 years only spends a little bit of time in jail and immediately goes back to theft February 1947 Chester receives his first criminal sentence for the burglary and is ser- is determined he's going to serve 1 to 15 years 
Luckily, he only serves a little bit of time. Well, not luckily. Well, for yeah, him, here we the go. humanity. <laughs> luckily for him, you're the kind of guy who roots for the bad guys. I love the, the bad guys. Yeah. I'm a bad guy guy. That's why I did this podcast. <laughs> I always played with like when it was GI Joe's. Years seems very excessive. One to fifteen. One kind of seems excessive for stealing in some ways. Like, what'd you steal? Yeah, this department store. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just like it's weird. It almost seems like you know it's like if you're you got in a fight with your girlfriend and she was like, "Hey, I'm either gonna give you the silent treatment or cut off your balls when you go to sleep." Well, I guess I'll find out later. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, what's one of the biggest fights you ever got into with an ex? Oh, I uh, I remember one time. I was such a shitty boyfriend. Not I wasn't horrible, but I was like, mm-hmm. I really liked. Uh, I was very focused on my Comedy. still am on my career. And one of my early girlfriends, when I started into comedy, was like very in love with me, and I loved her very much. But I'd always be like, "I'm doing shows, I'm going out, mm-hmm. you know." I'm more, and then I never made time for it. And she was like, "You went out, and you did like five minutes, and then you went over to Zach's and got all fucked up." And I was like, "Quit bitching!" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's "Networking." I was, I was, uh, I was totally wrong. You know, like a hundred percent wrong. And she was just like, "What?" And now I was like, you swore at me. And I made it all about her. You swearing at me instead of actually talking about the fight. And she was just like, fucking like I made her so mad. She was just like in tears from frustration. And she was still mad. She was sad later. But the fight was mostly her being fucking. Did it end that day? No, no, no. We uh, we had makeup sex Nice. And later that day. And then uh, I came all over her comforter, and then she was like, we need to put this in the washer. And I was like, I'll do it. I'm glad we're okay. <laughs> and then she was like, you're supposed to take the cover off only. And I put the whole thing in the cover, oh. and then we had another fight. And I was like, you're being a fucking dick. You know, like, I thought yeah. we were, you know, she just yelled. I just like. Was she the one that got away, or no? You're happy they got uh, away? They all are the ones that get away. Really? Yeah. I mean, no, that's not true. I think I maybe got one that maybe have been the one. That no, I w- she's, uh, she's married to a woman now. She's fine. She's happy. Last time I saw her, it was fine. Yeah. 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 All right. I wouldn't say she got away. I would say she escaped. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Chester Wheeler Campbell's first <laughs> felony. 1950, Chester is caught breaking into a drugstore attached to a barber shop where he worked. He would go to the roof of the barber shop, climb down through the drugstore's skylight in order to take cash out for, from the register before the owner opened up for the day. He was about to get away with it for several weeks before the police decided to stake out the drugstore. Uh. March 11th, 1950, at 7.50 in the morning. Police staking out the drugstore witnessed Chester climbing into the skylight of the drugstore. He is promptly arrested, charged with a felony for breaking and entering, and receives receives a sentence of 10 months and up to five years. Jesus. The gaps in this the, the sentencing are pretty intense. And I think and he's still a kid, almost. He, well, it's 1950, no, he's like 20, 20 years old. 20 yeah. Years. No, he's not a kid. Old enough to know better, but like... <laughs> I think it's um, I don't read a lot of mm-hmm. like murder stuff, but I always seem like they start with shit like stealing yeah. or like Bert killing a dog or petty, a bird or something. Yeah, fairly petty shit, and then there's always like one time where they're like, and this is where it got real <laughs> bad, you know? Like up <laughs> next, coming up. up next is where it gets real bad. So he goes to jail. Shane, have you ever, other than uh, throwing stuff at the old woman on the porch, have you ever gotten in trouble with the law? I've been uh, arrested a few times, but mostly because I didn't pay tickets and they went to warrants. You know, yeah. Was like no Dewey, no. Good no, job. No, no Dewey. Um, DUI. If you don't know what that is, yeah. Thank uh, God. Th- but yeah, just mostly like just like 
I let speeding tickets or whatever mm-hmm. turn to warrants, and then I got arrested. And I was like, "This is fucking boring." How long did you have to be arrested for that? I never. Oh, got like I was like, and there were like twelve hours most oh. both times. It was it wasn't shit. Ugh. Yeah, so it was, it's still long enough to be irritated by it. All right, we're going to Chester's first murder. Oh, here comes the big jump. There's gonna be a lot. He's this guy is kind of fucking. It's really cool. This is a really good podcast. <laughs> His first. I like mo- that you're like this is a really good. It's podcast. a really good episode. Some of them aren't as good, you know. Yeah, they're not as entertaining. But this one, uh, we I had my buddy Joe. He read the whole book, the guy's whole biography. Cliff noted, and then read like a bunch of other stuff to get back into him. And we can say whatever we want because as scary as this guy is, he's luckily dead. Is he dead? Yeah. First murder. After his second stint in prison, no one ever killed him. He just died of cancer, I think. I'm pretty sure. After his second stint in prison, Chester continues to follow a life of crime and theft. This leads him to commit his first murder. So he's still just kind of bumming around. Yeah. He just, he doesn't seem, he takes Mugging and stealing and that kind of thing. He takes it in the opposite way. You know, like you or I, I'm guessing we get in trouble one time. We're like, we never want to fucking do this again. Yeah. He goes, how can I not get a caught? Yeah. So, July 1st, 1955, Chester and some accomplices decide they want to rob a known gambling den. Oh. That's fine. a badass one, you know? Because if a gambling den, that's that's off the script. That's just normal yeah, guys. Yeah, there's, like, there's nobody's calling cops. Mm-mm. Yeah. But there's definitely dudes with guns. Yeah. They arrive to do a shakedown of the participants and take their money. However, one hitman, Luther Mixon, decides he doesn't want to give up his money and resists Chester and his associates. Luther uh, is a different hit, or he's just one man. Sorry, not hitman. He's at the gambling den. Okay. Chester shoots Mixon in the head and flees the scene with his accomplices. Doesn't get any money. The next day, Chester is arrested as a suspect in a robbery a month prior. But he's able to get out of jail quickly. It isn't until July 27th that Chester is finally arrested and charged with the murder of Mixon. Whoa. So this man is racking up shit. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of those, like, uh, what do they call him? Serial offenders? Yeah, serial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This man's 26, and, you know, just, I feel like. He's already got, like, four or five good stints in the. Yeah, yeah, real ones. Yep. July 12, 1956, Chester receives a life sentence for the murder of Mixon. And the podcast is over. That's all, man. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, so really so appreciate fun. it. I really love it. Like, <laughs> I think we have to get back on station. Yeah. <laughs> he spends the next 13 years in Michigan State Prison, a.k.a. Jackson State Prison, and utilizes this time to learn as much as he can about loopholes that are present in laws related to regular crimes. His goal was to ultimately understand the law well enough that he would be able to avoid being caught in the future so he's a very he's not dumb no dude he literally some of these guys are dumb this fool they every prison he went to he tested as a genius and everything they've ever given him really yeah the way he starts yo later on in this thing he starts fucking he has a notebook which comes up his downfall anytime he got a notebook but it has that's th- always like paperwork is not a good thing but they didn't have computers for, for, yeah but i mean uh, like any kind of documents like you know, like so the three hundred. If, if there was like a to do list and it's just like murder, <laughs> Steve, you murder, know, like, steal, cheat, yeah. murder, cheat, like that's his to do list. <laughs> it's like a, like a sideshow Bob kind of Simpsons thing. Like it's just like murder, cheat, groceries. So, so he's learning how to find loopholes in the system. Shane, have you ever found a loophole or a life hack? I wouldn't call it a life hack, uh, but it, I, I'm not good at these kind of things. Yeah. So. My thing, though, is like when I meet someone, it, you know, because you travel, so we travel so mm-hmm. much and we're like in a bunch of different cities and I can kind of always remember faces better than names. names. For sure. Yeah. So I always like when I meet them and I get their phone number or whatever, I always like I put in the city they're in and then I so I'll type in like Sacramento and then I'll be like, OK, these are the names for I have for people in, in the city of Sacramento. 
And then I'll just go on social media and be like Steve Fury, whoever That's else. Good, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's a life hack, but it saves me a little bit of embarrassment and it makes people think I'm nice when I'm actually just kind of being like worried that I'm a bad person. I mean, I think trying to remember someone's name by putting in a thing is being nice. Because there's yeah. guys that just don't remember no one's name, stay in the green room, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Kind of shit. But yeah, that's like my little... That's a good me- one. It's my methodology for that. Yeah. I do pretty much the same thing. I have a... Uh, I like every time I do a city, I like to walk around and get kind of bits, you know? And yeah, so yeah. I got I got different files for each city. So I'll be like Philly Punchline, you know. Oh, fun. The food market thing here. There's something you can say. There's something you can say. There's something you can say. Here are the people who work there. And nice. I'll look at that and I'll reread that. This guy should do that more. 1968, Chester asked for a retrial and pleased to guilty the second-degree murder. The judge... Hold re- on. Sorry, I didn't mean... I don't know if I'm supposed to interrupt you. Yeah, you can. Part. He asked... For a retrial and then please guilty. And then he pleads guilty. I don't understand it either. Okay, well, let's keep going. I'm guessing something else just happened, but then he pleads guilty. The judge reduces his sentence from 13 to 20 years with allowing for credit. So instead of lifetime, he's getting 13 to 20 years. But he already served 13 years. Counted towards his new sentence. Holy shit. Wow. That's like when you put a credit card balance on another credit card. (laughs) And you pay it off (laughs) to get points. Yeah, and it's the third... This is the third time the man's been in jail, so it should be three strikes are out. Yeah. How the fuck you lick this guy out of prison? I mean, he's been escalating. Whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. This is the time. The man has not learned, okay? He didn't go to prison three times and learn. All he did was learn to be a better assassin. And this well, is... What's that thing? Like, tell me a lot of people say you go, you go to college prison. for criminals. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is how he becomes a top-tier enforcer and assassin. So he gets out in 1969, huge fucking year. That's the Beatles' last p- public performance. Um, Woodstock happens. Charles Manser's cult murders five people. The Chappaquiddick really affair. Took that, yeah, so that, that probably took a lot out of the his sale, Chester sale. Like yeah, yeah. News yeah. coverage real wise. He's not that bad. Yeah, no one gave a fuck. Th- he must have been looking at it like, ah, oh, that guy got new faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's a hack. Yeah. Charles Manson didn't even kill anybody. Uh, yeah, I killed like it, 10 people. Yeah, it's like shit like that. Chappaquiddick happened, yeah. So, and then he had, then the, that's the year we went to the moon. So, epic fucking year. Shane, what was your best year of your life? Um, I don't know, man. I'm hoping that it's still coming. Well, so far, what do you oh, think? Was so there far. like maybe the one you got JFL, the one you did Comedy um, Central Presents, the one you did Conan, the one you did Colbert? Those are all fun. Um, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I will. I guess when I w- made the leap to full time and mm-hmm. I got it, was good. Was a big year. I felt safe. Uh, but like, and then you know, like you also had that point of like, where you're still worried about money all the time. Yes. And I'm like, it's not that I'm rich or anything now, but like I have like, I can go find work now. Yes. Like I can get it. It's not like mm-hmm. I only have five hundred dollars. Like I really got to pick something up mm-hmm. this month. You know, like. I'm not in that position. Anymore. I'm in that position. Yeah. That you're, are you one. still in that little that space? I'm in the of, one that's like. Like I'm, you've made a jump. Yeah, I'm full time. Yeah. But it's like, you know, my your paychecks come to an end. You know, I got a couple grand in savings, but it's like yeah, I don't want to go to that. I put everything. I was, the thing that was good for me was like I was very good at being poor. Mm. Uh, especially early on. I'm still pretty good at it if I need to be. But like. uh if I all I was like I would budget five dollars a day for food sometimes like yeah. those kinds of so that was like what was good for me when I first made the jump to like being a full time comic 
Because then I was like, oh, I'm booked out for like three months. I'll be mm-hmm. fine. And then that three months ends. You know, so you're like, surely I'll make it in the next three months and have enough money to be fine for the rest of my life. And that three months comes I should probably start looking at houses. <laughs> you know, and then you're like, ah, oh, cry for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So 1969, Chester is released from jail after serving 13 years for second degree murder. He immediately seeks to. So he did that thing, the mission or the retrial mm, and pretty much got, got out. out. Yeah. He got yeah. out same time. It once wow. it cleared, And then he immediately becomes a Detroit uh, an enforcer for the Detroit criminal underground where he becomes becomes not only known for his brutality, but his meticulous notes he keeps on every criminal and dirty cop that he meets. This is the shit I'm about to tell you. This is his downfall, but it's also the reason he succeeds. Yeah. Okay? He makes like himself Phil, Phil Jackson in the triangle. Office. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got the triangle of dirty yeah. cops, yeah. criminals himself. Yeah. He makes himself untouchable with information about all the dealings of the criminal underworld in Detroit. His diary details witness locations, dealers, safe house, as well as meticulous notes about the houses of cops. In the area. This is before internet. You know, he can't just look yeah. up shit. In addition to this, he's always noted the details of unsolved murders and the cops who are receiving kickbacks from the main Bob bosses. He's manifested information through the Detroit all the way down to Cleveland. Interesting. Yeah, he's like taking being a hitman yeah, to the so next level. Yeah, he's, like, he's actually kind of enterprising with yeah. it. Yeah. He's like Mike. It's like the kind of like the Mark, Mike Birbiglia comic who like listens to every joke, writes it all out, yeah. does everything every day, constantly has new material. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess that's why it was it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like it falls into his personality of like learning a lot about the law and then doing that and then like being very uh, uh, meticulous in his preparation of murder. It's just so interesting how like back in the day, if you had a great memory, it set you up so much better. Than everyone else. Yeah. Whereas now that, it still helps, but it's not. It's like it's I not. Can look it up. It, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Wild. During his time as an enforcer, he became known for being totally indiscriminate. If money was offered, Chester would take the hit and make sure no witnesses remained as well. Chester was beholden to no one and gained a reputation as a neutral assassin for the drug underworld from Detroit to Cleveland. His biggest clients were Murder Row and the Italian. Mafia. Murder Row. That is the gang at the time in uh, Detroit. Okay. They're doing all the drugs and stuff in Detroit. We're probably going to do an episode on them a little bit later. That's cool. From 1970 to 1975, it was rumored but never confirmed that Chester received a minimum of 10K per hit, which is about 50K per hit right now. So, Shane, what's the worst thing you would do for 50K? Oh, God. The worst thing I would do for 50K? Would you beat up someone? Find a way to beat up someone? I was going to say, like, do an epic special. My friend does those. I'm sorry, man. I was just making a joke. I ain't gonna I listen to it. We got down. 500 followers. That's it. pretty good. Um, no, I think the worst thing I would do for 50K, honestly. Uh, would you punch an old woman in the face? A strange uh, old woman? No. I don't think it would. I don't. You know, you know what it is, and this is gonna sound like an asshole. Is like, I think there's a way for me to make 50k without doing something awful. So like, I think like more, if it was like, but this is like, let's say 50k a day. Like you could do a month mm, punch an old woman in the face yeah, every day, coming out the month with like, like a million five. Yeah, that's much different. You're right. I'd steal it. I know I would steal it. I would be fine with stealing it yeah. from a business. I don't want to steal from people. I, I might. Uh, 
I could hurt someone for the wrong, for yeah. the right reason. I don't like. Yeah. I kind don't of a know, Dexter man. Kind of like I'm just like I'm also such a fucking punk when it comes to like I'm yeah. trying to be very like 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 50k. 50k is like almost not enough to do something terrible. I wonder if 100k. I, I wonder if I could start a fire. Oh, like if I could burn something down for insurance money for 50k. Which is a thing they do in Detroit. Yeah, like if a buddy was like, yo, for some reason I'm gonna he get had like a Maserati. Yeah, yeah. Set my car on fire. Yeah, that's a great one. I would do that too. Yeah. During yeah. this time, he... Oh, you got anything else? No, no. I'm just trying okay. to think about what awful stuff I'd do. During this time, he would take jobs from the Italian mafia and emerging gangs across the Detroit area. It is speculated that during these five years, he was directly responsible for killing at least 50 people. But there's no proof he's responsible for all of them. It's honestly believed he's killed more than 300 people this whole time. That's crazy, though. That's the man, dude, he died in 2001. Yeah, but what did he? But did he seventy say, what did years. He say? Like, because my th- my question is like, like, you know, like sometimes I'm saying, we'll just like I can, we'll put this one Throw it out there. Chester. Yeah, let's just add this point to the board, kind of thing. I mean, I think I think it's close to what it is because when he got arrested, when he was super old, we'll find out at the end. He had like fifteen guns in his car, and yeah, like, oh yeah, he had like ear. He had these ear devices where he, the FBI uses that he could listen to other people. Guy was a fucking psychopath. Prior to discovery, oh, uh, fifty people. Okay. You know, it's weird. Is somebody probably thought he was nice. That's dude. To be, I'm, it's yeah. so funny. Watch for the next thing. Okay. I'm about to say. Uh, prior to the discovery of his notebooks, he was only believed to be responsible for ten murders during this time. Oh, what Chester was respected in his community during this time, but he was feared in the feared in the criminal kind underworld, hide in the wide open. Kind yeah, of yeah. And then like Detroit, you know, I think Detroit's kind of like the down shit where everyone's just kind of like you know. It doesn't say that he would kill a bunch of random people. Well, no, well, he the would. city had money then in the sixties and seventies. Like it was true, way but it was coming down. Yeah, it came down. You know, like I guess probably 80s. ten years. Yeah. yeah. I just read a book called uh, Detroit and American Autopsy. It's about the city falling apart. It's really good. I'll loan it to you. Cool. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's, a, I guess it's like he's making money. There's money mm-hmm. to be made. Weird. All right. Chester's reputation was being built during this time, and it made him worthy of the ten to 20000 investment that his employers made. During this time, rumors swirled that there was a school of hitmen centered in Detroit and had Chester teaching his methods to younger forcers looking to make a name for themselves. No proof ever came from this hitman school, but it was frequently discussed by the Detroit police during this time. I'm for sure don't think that's real. No? No. Why would you teach someone else your secrets if you're still Yeah, the game? also, if you're, like, making money, yeah. you know, like, you, no. Yeah. And, like, what, it, it's not like... What are you teaching It's not like to? you and me, like, with Bert, where he's like, ah, yeah. oh, I'll show you the ropes. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you know, yeah, and also it's like I'm what getting is, my murder bus yeah. for, for a few weeks. It's not like that. He's like, first day, shoot him in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second day, yeah, write it down. Make sure <laughs> keep everything. You know, in write it all down. You know, murder bill or whatever. <laughs> when Chester was charged with a hit, he would walk in immediately, kill his target regardless of who was present, and then proceed to kill anyone and oh! everyone else who was present. What a fucking bummer. It does not matter if they were who they were they're supposed to be or if they had ties to the hit. If they were there, they would be killed by Chester and his associates. This is largely why he became such a mythic legend amongst Detroit's crime underworld. All of the hits conducted by Ch- Chester never. See, that's the thing that's scary. Is like he's just fucking. I'm just down to murder. You, you know, like even if he like had a mask yeah. on or something, it's just like, I'm just down to fucking kill whoever's in the room. Shane, huh? if you were going to kill someone and try to leave no trace. Or witnesses, how would you do it? 
Okay, I got it. It's winter. Winter, okay. Right? And I uh, Very Detroit. Yeah, very Detroit. And let's say uh hmm. Let's say I'm following someone to murder him. Like it? Yeah. I just stab him in the eye with an icicle. Okay, it's just a random person though, so that's why there's no. No, like, trace. well, it's like my head. Oh, you're yeah, a hitman. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I like yeah, that. but I still, yeah. Sam with high school. Yeah, just melts away. Melts they away. They die. Mm-hmm. There's just a puddle there. Dead. I think I read somebody did that once. And I was like, that's I not bad. That seems like a pretty good murder. Can't get any uh, fingerprints on an icicle. No probably. DNA. It's all water at that point. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. My girlfriend's. Or a- I just. Butt fuck. <laughs> Put my cock so deep in their yeah, butt yeah, throws yeah. up blood. I don't know. That's a good either question. or. I know. Um, icicle or butt fuck. I don't know. That seems so personal, though. The butt fucking or the icicle? But icicle. I, I guess. Both. Both, yeah. I guess I should think both. Butt No, the murder. Uh, <laughs> what am I, queer? The yeah, murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what about you? My girlfriend always tells me she could kill me with a bunch of. Uh, uh, nursing kind of like stuff that she knows that they don't test for. So I'd probably oh. just learn how to do that, sprinkle that shit on her food. Not her food, someone's food, and let them die. Okay. Chester was also very arrogant. He was also very intelligent. He always scored on the genius levels whenever he was given intelligent tests in prison. His arrogance ultimately led him to more jail time and a huge revelation about how just prolific his life as a hitman was. 1971, federal authorities tried to put Chester back in jail for intent to murder a star witness. He was able to have the charges dropped against him, but he was. Chester was not afraid to utilize his money to hire high-powered lawyers to keep him out of jail. Isn't that crazy that, like, you can just hire fancy lawyers and not go to jail? You know what is crazy to me about fancy lawyers that would do that? It's like to think that he would still kill you, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like... To just be like, I'm not doing this one, Chester. They're kind of. It feels like they're like. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's like you're mixing in a very weird pot. Like, um, I yeah, I can't imagine how you would feel safe defending somebody like that. I guess is what I think. Yeah, I feel like they feel like they're the post office and like don't attack the. I'm just delivering a message. You know, they're like, well, I'm not in the game. Yeah, but like, what if he's just like, yeah, fuck, I'm going to jail. I'm going to have one of my fucking friends cut your nuts off. One of my guys from my school. You're in the game now. Yeah. That's what I think is awful. And I also don't understand how does a high-powered lawyer do it? Do you think he pays people off? Do you think they're just that much better? Yeah, I think they're just that much better, and they have more resources. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Yeah. More time to devote to it. 1972 to 74, Chester is again charged with murder and is awaiting trial. The star witness is James Watusi Slim Newton. Sick nickname. A former business par- partner of Chester. How much How much do Chester have to offer you to be a fucking business partner? With well, like, yeah. And like, what's like, it's so funny that they call it like a business partner when you're just like, uh, yeah, criminals. It's, like you're just like, it's better like you're like, wow, I just call him like your murder buddy. <laughs> <laughs> or you're like, you know, my, my yeah. kill pal. My kill pal. <laughs> <laughs> it's while so a, weird. <laughs> while awaiting the start to uh, Newton, uh, while waiting to start the trial, Newton is killed execution style while being housed in the protection wing of a maximum security prison in Ohio. 1975 arrests in trials. March 6, 1975. At 3.19 a.m., Chester is driving his black 1975 Oldsmobile 98 Regency. 
While driving, he nearly collides head-on with a police cruiser. The officer pursues Chester and pulls him over. He is arrested due to having an unlawful weapon possession, a military-style Colt 45 handgun that had the serial numbers completely oh, removed. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, that's an automatic yeah. felony with bad shit on that one. And it was also fully loaded. Once brought to the station, he was searched with... Searching the police found bullets of various calibers plus $3,996 in cash. After filing a warrant, police officers were able to search his car and find his notebooks. I like that. Shane. Like that is. Shane, what do you think he spent that $4 on? I like that. No one carries around $3,996. So he's like. Yeah, that's like a, I, I don't know, like, ah, just fill it up. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, fill it up. You know, like, got a pack of parliaments. Yeah, you know, like, it's very weird to think about. Um, so he's not married, no kids, no. none of that. Kind of, he's just total loner for the, in the sense of, like, a family, like, he's a bachelor. Yeah, he's okay. like a, he's like a kind of like a door-to-door salesman of murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not, like, you wouldn't say he's a loner, though, because he has a crew and stuff. and He's, he's a, got a couple, yeah. He's associated with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. The notebooks are what solidified his reputation as a dangerous man. The notebooks contain the names of inf- and information of over 300 people. The media at the time speculated all those names were future hits. However, as police investigated, they found many of the names were known criminal associates, police officers, prosecutors, and that at least 50 of the names were tied to drug-related deaths. The names on that list and how dangerous Chester was considered created one of the first incidents in Michigan law enforcement history where they signed a 24-hour security detail on one of the primary targets of Chester. Wow. Yeah. Once police had a warrant and searched his vehicle, they discovered more bullets and guns. They also had sophisticated surveillance equipment on par with the FBI and CIA. Chester was discovered to have frequently ordered surveillance equipment from the R&B Clifton Company in Florida in order to gather as much information as possible on his targets. Chester was so thorough in his quest for information that he had access to Michigan's law enforcement information network. This is the kind of stuff where you can learn all about police, uh, criminals, uh, anything about criminals, police talk, yeah, yeah. anything. You get into the system. He's kind of like... Being like, give me the answers to the test. Yeah, the Michigan, yeah, yeah, and the killing people. That's like, how give you... me these cliff notes. Mm-hmm. Or I'll fucking kill you too. He, and it also said all the where all the witnesses were in the database. He also had an authentic police uniform and badge from Toledo, Ohio, Police Department in Ohio. Chester went by Augustus Miller. Augustus Miller sounds like an indie rock. Yeah, kinda, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like a folk music. Yeah, everyone. Please welcome Augustus Miller. It's yeah. the no one's name is Augustus Miller either. That's just the name of the band. Uh, Shane, <laughs> have you ever pretended to be something you weren't? It says Southern accent. Under no, it? that's me for after. I'll tell you about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought you were like oh, because I have a little. Like, no, but you're from Texas. Yeah, I have like a little draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, like sometimes I think I'm pretending to be funny. <laughs> like you know, like I I have imposter syndrome all the time, so I'm sure. Yeah, but your stats add up. Yeah, but I think I would say, yeah, like I, I definitely have and maybe still do in a way. Like I, I'm more of it's like misrepresentation of my my uh, how much I am something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I like old punk rock music, but I like and then I'm like, I'm not as punk rock as other guys. So mm-hmm. do I even like punk rock music? You know, like I'm always mm-hmm. I'm always worried about how cool I am or like like what I'm doing. And for people to be like, no, you didn't. You didn't like that at all. You know, like I, I was afraid someone's going to fucking 
blow me up. I have dreams about like people like just rifling through old Facebook posts and shit. And dude, that's uh, funny. I always had that thing when I was a kid in my head. The reason I think I became a comedian is in my head. Whenever I was doing anything, I would come up with comebacks in case someone said something to me. Oh yeah. No one ever said shit to me. Yeah. But I always be like, they'd be like, you know, that's a stupid shirt. And I'd be like, well, is that yeah. shirt as stupid as your mom looks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, you're you're chestering. You're, you're like, I gotta, I gotta go through my database. And you're like, ah, if I can, let's just stab him. So my worst one. <laughs> you think, the thing if Chester had been good at comebacks, how many lives it might have <laughs> saved? If he had just been, like, he's like, hey, Chester, nice shirt. And he's like, yeah, well, I butt fucked your mom last night. And he's like, man, I was so close to murdering you until I said butt fuck your mom. Yeah, he wasn't a killer, but he would roast the fuck out of anyone you sent him to. Like if he was just because he was smart, so maybe that would have like satisfied yeah. some of his like. Lust for killing. Yeah. So when I first started doing stand up, I would I would draw out vowels because I thought it was funny. Yeah, but you try everything at yes. the beginning. You do you know, like I mean I like my inflection of my voice changes a lot. Yeah. That, you know, like but like it's also how I am. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like but like you also like I have definitely leaned into like my draw mm-hmm. sometimes on stage mm-hmm. and stuff. Like not all the time, you know, but like you're they're trying to make people laugh. Yeah, dog. And I don't know how long you've been doing stand up now, but like I'm at about ten. Yeah, and I hit I'll hit thirteen this year. It doesn't matter. Like it, like it meaning in the sense of like you're still gonna figure it out and figure it out and figure mm-hmm. it out till you go. Like you know, like I think now I'm just starting to learn some of the things I thought I knew. You know, so I guess I have pretended to be, but like we also. I mean, I pretend to be an uber confident person on stage, and then at the end of it, I'm just like. And just, God, I'm so all I want to do is just like watch Gladiator man. on my phone and lay in my bunk. Whatever, you know, like I was trying to be confident in front of Aaron Rodgers yesterday, <laughs> ask him questions like I yeah, should be talking yeah, to him. Yeah, like so you threw a football. You, <laughs> you want a hug? We won the Super Bowl. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Just yeah. the second show. Yeah. Good. Fun. Yeah. 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 Not it's as fun, fun as the last other no, ones. but it's fine. It was fun. They were fun. They're having fun now. Bert's up there. Bert's up there. He's crushing. They already lost their minds. So yeah. we'll just get back into uh, kind of where we left off. He's a, he, uh, The cops found all that shit in his car in Ohio. Yes. He's pretending to be someone else. So this, uh, when they were able to go in his car and find his notebook, this essentially revealed that even if a star witness was put into protection, Chester could find them and kill them with ease. You know, he's got a cop outfit. He finds her. Yeah, because he they killed yeah, the guy in Cleveland, right? Yeah, he got, yeah. the guy in Cleveland has a cop outfit and has access to the criminal kind of databases. As tr- Chester is awaiting trial, cops are granted a search warrant to find more documents related to Chester's career. They also find plenty of drugs and weapons cachet, three uh, rifles, 11 handguns, and take $280,000 in cash from his house, which today is over a half a million dollars in cash. Mm. At his current girlfriend's home, they find plenty of nice clothes, more documents, a collection of photographs he had taken, and some nude photos. They also find a collection of newspaper articles about various drug-related murders, which investigators suspect are mementos of his success. Oh, okay. That's pretty serial killer. Like this Yeah. Is, like I mean I guess all of this stuff is serial killer, but that's like one of the the first time you see him do when like, you're proud uh, of it. like trophy or whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing. I guess it's something they like to do. Yeah. So then Chester uses lawyers to drag on the trial for two years. Once you're no, if you're just on trial, if you get out bail you can just still be on the streets and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't officially begin serving time for his crimes until nineteen seventy seven. Jesus. So in 1979, the beheadings. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we're back. Just yeah. the second show. 
Yeah. Good. Fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not it's as fun, fun as the last other no, ones. No. It's fine. It was fun. They were fun. They're having fun now. Bert's up there. Bert's up there. He's crushing. They already lost their minds. So yeah. we'll just get back into uh, kind of where we left off. Where we left off was essentially um, he's a, he, uh, the cops found all that shit in his car in Ohio. Yes. He's pretending to be someone else. So this, uh, when they were able to go in his car and find his notebook, this essentially revealed that even if a star witness was put into protection, Chester could find them and kill them with ease. You know, he's got a cop outfit. He finds her. Yeah, because he they killed yeah, the guy the, in Cleveland, right? Yeah, he got yeah. the guy in Cleveland has a cop outfit and has access to the criminal kind of databases. As Chester is awaiting trial, cops are granted a search warrant to find more documents related to Chester's career. They also find plenty of drugs and weapons cachet, three uh, rifles, 11 handguns, and take $280,000 in cash from his house, which today is over a half a million dollars in cash. Mm. At his current girlfriend's home, they find plenty of nice clothes, more documents, a collection of photographs he had taken, and some nude photos. They also find a collection of newspaper articles about various drug-related murders, which investigators suspect are mementos of his success. Oh, okay. That's pretty serial killer. Like this yeah. Is, like, I mean, I guess all this stuff is serial killer, but that's like one of the, the first time you see him do when like, you're proud uh, of it. like trophy or whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing, I guess is something they like to do. Yeah. So then Chester uses lawyers to drag on the trial for two years. Once you're, If you're just on trial, if you get out bail, you can just still be on the streets and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't officially begin serving time for his crimes until 1977. Jesus. So in 1979, the beheadings. <laughs> While Chester was in prison for his weapons charges, hitmen and the heroin trade continued to operate in Detroit. Although he had no direct involvement with the incident, there is speculation that the methods of killing had repeatedly been found in drug-related murders before that were unsolved and that the perpetrators had a close relationship to Chester prior to his incarceration. This is kind of the reason they keep thinking he did this school because the freaky way that he was killing people kept going on even when he was on in jail. Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, well, okay. I don't know. I mean... How many ways are there are to kill people, you know? Um... I mean, there's probably a bunch. Yeah, there's probably a bunch. Yeah, yeah but it is weird to think about. What do you think is the third most popular way to kill someone? Because the first, is, I would assume, is a gun. Gun. Knife. Poison? Yeah, which seems crazy. I th- it's like like poison is the bronze medal in murdering. <laughs> the weirdest Or maybe the- beating. Beating someone to death with your fists? Yeah. Yeah. Or ch- yeah. yeah so... so but like poison's the fifth most known one at 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 the least of it, right? So if if you're like gun, stab, beating, choking, right? Yeah, all top. That's Hall of Famers goats. Yeah, yeah. And then poison is like a thing people did in like when there were kings and stuff. You know, it well, really fell. Poison had its run. Some people do a long term poisoning thing. I've read a lot of people that they'll just poison like their spouses for a long time. And their spouses so go they're to just sick. Their they're whole just life? sick, and then they slowly die. It's fucking disgusting. That's the what worst. A that has got to be the worst way to die. What do you think would be the worst way to die for you? Um, it, it could be fire, drowning, or it could just be something else. Oh God. Alone, or or, <laughs> or, or, uh, or surrounded by people I don't want to be there. Like would be the other one. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. There, that's probably. What about you? So I heard that. Uh, I think Bert told us, and I read a few things that the Japanese people would slowly take pieces of uh, meat off of your body back in like World War Two or before then, and then like cook it, and then you'd be like in a little hole. 
And that seems to be the That's worst. That's not great either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that one sounds like because they used to do that with meat too. Like if you had like a goat or like a cow back in the day before refrigeration, you would just slowly cut off things off of its body and it'd be suffering. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had no way to store meat and the best way to store it was to keep it alive. So the thing would be suffering, but you don't want the whole shit to go wrong. Wild. Yeah. July 17th, 1979. A private event begins at the Federal Democratic Club. What an awful name for business, right? Yeah. It's like, come to the IRS's sushi restaurant. <sighs> an auspicious conversion van sits silently in a parking lot. Police were called to investigate and discovered a horrific scene. Three bodies had been marinating for a few days and found with their heads removed. Oh, God. Removed. Marinating. Marinated. What a disgusting what one. A, what an interesting was, choice of words there, Steve. That was my boy Joe. I didn't write that one. Okay. I kept it in there. Saucy. They were lined up in a row, each with their respective heads carefully bagged in place next to their bodies. And the bodies were of two men and one woman. Aside from the decapitation, the hands of the men had been removed along with one of the woman's hands. A police investigated. They found eyewitnesses who identified the victims as Willie McJoy, McJoy, Joanne Clark, and William Jackson. So their heads were missing. And their hands. Shane, that's a hard way to identify someone. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Could you imagine being able to recognize someone without their hands and feet? What do you think someone would recognize you by? I'm just like looking at you right now and trying to figure what out. What is? Without. I think, I, I think I'm so, like if you cut off my hands and my feet, I'm very like. In your head? Yeah, my head's in my, my, head's in my, my head and my hands. I feel like I'm very like everyday guy. Yeah. Um. No tattoos. Do you have tattoos? I have one tattoo on my arm. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably it. I think people would just be like, "What did this guy?" They just like look at my body and be like, "Oh." You don't have much hair, so that would be my only thing. Yeah. I think they would just look at my body and be like, "Oh, it's like." So who cares? It's gross. (laughs) They just just kicked dirt on me. They would just be like, "This is not." He had it coming. This is not a body work. Like identifying, I think he would have wanted I, us to forget uh, this. Yeah, body like, like, like unless he has just the best looking face ever, which I don't. <laughs> like we can be certain that this was an ugly person, <laughs> and we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, what I think. I feel like if someone came by me, they'd be like, "Oh man, someone killed a uh, little league softball coach." Very sad. <laughs> <laughs> All three were forced to lie on the floor of a room in the Federal Democratic Club and were shot in the head and back while laying down. A meat cleaver was utilized to decapitate them as well as remove their hands. Ugh. The man who was brutally murdered these three was Frank Lee Usher, a former protege of Chester. It is also rumored that from behind prison bars, Usher ordered the murder of a business partner who rolled on him and his naked body was found in the trunk of a car without a head. His head was never found. Question. How many heads do you think are just kind of floating around Detroit? Like you think you could just pick up a building and there's like a head in there. I bet I read that. Did I talk about this? I that book. I read a Detroit and American autopsy. Yes. Yeah. They find bodies a lot. Really? So, yeah. Like just because mm-hmm. there's so many abandoned buildings. Like it can be homeless people that have just the elements have taken them or mm-hmm. murders or what you don't know, like. So probably a lot. Yeah. Like I mean like more than I could even fathom. Yeah. Like it, it's like it's Probably more than 10, which is a lot for a city that doesn't have that many people living in it anymore. 
Oh, I'd bet there's a thousand un, uh, like skulls in the dirt of Detroit. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're just talking about missing, I thought you were talking about heads, just heads. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's so many loose I, heads. Uh, Ten yeah. loose heads is a kind of a good guess there. Ten loose heads. <laughs> All right, we're going ten to the... Ten loose heads, all <laughs> to, right. That's my favorite 90s band that was 10,000 Maniacs. Ten loose heads. Yeah. <laughs> Cover band. Um, the last one, his third prison release in his end of life. Okay. This fucking guy. He's a real he, dynamo getting out all the time. You got you gotta respect it in some way. Yeah. I mean, it's you. fucking incredible. Yeah, I, kinda, I, got, I got a little love for his... Uh, How he gets out. Yeah. Luck. Okay, this is one that I've always thought about, too. You go to prison for 10 years. What's the first thing you get out? Obviously, you try to fuck somebody, but, like, what's the thing you think you would miss in the world the most? Getting out of prison, the thing I'd miss the most, I'm, this is how fat I am. I bet it's food. Mm-hmm. What's bet. your day, then? What's your day? You got 12 hours to get out? You got to try. I mean, you're, you know what, everybody. It's just your first day out, and you want to kind of do I'm just like, it's good to see you. I just like I, sex somewhere, food, open air, outdoor. Uh, I bet I'm just really looking forward to a mattress that doesn't suck oh. too. But I always feel, I always hear that your like body starts to get used to the bad mattresses. And like for a oh. while, people have to like sleep on the floor. I mean, I bet that's true, but I bet like. They'll come back. Yeah. I bet. Uh, Sleeping in, the yeah. Next day, yeah. Bending down in the shower, yeah, you just yeah. Do just, just like hot water, yeah, like weird shit like that. Yeah, I bet that would really. My what f- about you? My first day, I get out. Like, take sex out of it because we yeah. don't want to have sex. We don't want to have sex. I think I'm gonna go see my family. Go straight to a sushi lunch. Sushi. Mm-hmm. There ain't no way I've had fresh fish in prison. For ten years, no, you definitely you never had fish, even. Yeah, then I'm gonna learn what the fuck's happening with the internet because I probably have no fucking idea. Well, real, that's a smart. That's a smart thing. Yeah, that'd be a good way to. Yeah, I think. Then after that, I would go probably more food, and then maybe try and drive a car and just see how fucking far and fast I could go. Get drunk. Yeah, can you drink when you get out? I don't know if you're on parole. Yeah, that's the other thing kind of a weird thing to think about mm. like how much like it's kind of like getting kind of ungrounded you know <laughs> your dad be like go to this guy's house but i know you don't like him that much <laughs> you can only go yeah. to tim's house yeah what about george you yeah, can't you go know, to george george you know you like i don't like george <laughs> you know i don't like george so you can't go to his house <laughs> you go to tim's yeah he's a good kid i was for sure george when yeah. i was a kid you were you george yeah people were not allowed to go to my house Early 80s, Chester continued to file all manner of motions and argue that he was brought up on too harsh of punishments. I don't know how that's possible. They found his fucking books. Oh, shit. Eventually, he won his appeal and was back on the streets in 1984. Unfortunately for him, the drug, the Detroit drug wars were over, but there was enough criminals who left who kind of respected uh, the work of the angel of death, Chester Wheeler Campbell. I'm a little bit buzzed. My tongue's not really working as well as it could. As soon as he walked out of the prison though local and federal authorities were working together to ensure they were trying to get this asshole back in the fucking jail april 14th 1985 chester is going about his business and heading to an auto shop for some repairs as he went to the waiting room a car pulled up into the parking lot 
As he turned his head around to look at the men, they got out and began shooting at Chester. Oh, shit. A bullet grazed his head and three others struck him in the leg. On the ground and bleeding, the attacker sped off. Chester was fine. This man except excels in skipping out on fucking punishment. Chester was arrested again for having illegal weapons and live ammunition that were unregistered and altered. He's back to his fucking same ways. Well, also, it's like, what a bummer to get shot and then be like, you're going to jail because you have guns you didn't mm-hmm. use to protect yourself. I guess they were in his car, which was getting worked on, though. Yeah, and check yeah, out. You yeah. can tell he's still a uh, hitman by this one. Yeah. This time he had only just pulled out of his driveway as a swarm of law enforcement descended on his home. He, they went to his car and they found he had upgraded his spy gear and had a pen that could shoot a single twenty-two caliber round. Oh, wild. So he's you could just be like, little, pow, like that. Yeah, he's getting a little more uh, bond. With yeah. Him. All he had to do was click a pen to fire a bullet. In his socks, they found a thirty-two caliber two-shot Derringer. In his car, six more guns, an automatic pistol with a silencer, three other pistols, a three fifty-seven Magnum, and a pump shotgun, all fully loaded and ready to go. They also found a large bag of weed, 10K in money orders, and loose cash, heroin in an in a bag envelope, and a bag believed to be at least a pound of cocaine. Jesus. God damn, now that's a party, Shane. It's something. Shane. Boy, yes. You can keep going for it. No, no, no. This guy's just nuts. Shane, what would be your perfect party? Like a house party? What kind of venue? Could be going out, music, food. Like it's almost like your birthday. You wanted a bunch of people, mm. small thing. Do you have one in mind? I need to think on Okay, that. yeah. You don't even have to listen to me. I'll just talk to him. My favorite party, I think I'm doing it at a, a house of one of my best friends so that I never have to feel what I'm doing is, you know, bad or that I might be kicked out, anything okay. like that. There's a backyard, hopefully. There's something going on in the backyard. There's a couple games going inside. I'm having a large group of friends. I would, you know, I got a, I got a large group of friends. So music inside the house, in the back maybe a pool, um, food, booze. This, But the party's going to start a little early, you know, like five, six. Then as the night goes on, the kind of the extra people trickle away. And then around 10 o'clock at night, creep shit happens. You know, I get one of my bad friends to come yeah, over. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's over some we Molly like, yeah. and like some mushrooms. Yeah, he was already up to something horrible. Yeah, before. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I the, think like a bar that okay. is almost too crowded. Mm. Like I like it people are. You like it? Yeah, I like a, like a, I like a full no, bar with nothing but my people. Oh, Probably yeah. Probably music, loud music. And like just people getting uh, very shit faced. Mm-hmm. I think I would enjoy quite a bit. Yeah. And then, but like you know, everybody's in booths. You can wander off. You can wander up to different groups. You know, when like you've been like, I've been wanting to talk to you all night. You know, one of those <laughs> kind of things. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that kind of vibe. Good punk band playing, and then just everybody dancing and drinking and fun. Sounds fan fucking tastic. Yeah. So. He also had an explosive device, a police scanner, and assortment of knives. Yet again, however, his doom was a notebook of meticulous notes on all his clients, contacts, and targets. In his house, they found another large assortment of guns, 21 bags of marijuana, each one a kilo apiece, and he had advanced spy gear and bionic ears, which are like a microphone thing you can listen. He had a fake beard, mustaches, <laughs> makeup, <laughs> and a complete... A, fa- a design of... Fa- Face this guy. That's fucking. Uh, that's just like none of that stuff is illegal to have. No, though. but like weird. That, well, like the yeah, it is just like man, you're really getting into mm-hmm. it though. Like a little too much cosplay. 
So when we talked about what they found in his car, the large uh, bag of white powder, it came back as neither cocaine or heroin. But when it was tested, it was re- revealed to be Iromite, which is an industrial level explosive meant for total destruction Whoa. of objects. Imagine that. You're just like picking it up, throwing it around like it's cocaine. You have yeah. No idea oh, my would God. Blow the that would be so scary. Roof off the place. We're almost done, buddy. As Chester was a felon in possession of weapons, he had no wiggle room in the case. And when it was brought in front of the court, he was charged and sentenced to life in prison. Chester continued to appeal his case until his death on May 28th, 2001. He died of liver failure and in complications due to hep C. My researcher found most of this information from a book called Diary of a Motor City Hitman, the Chester Wheeler Campbell story by Christian Sipanelli. Chester. Chester. Chester Wheeler Campbell. Sounds like a fucking country music star. Kind of. Wheeler for sure. Yeah. Wheeler Campbell. Yeah. Wheeler Campbell. Wheeler Campbell. Alone. Chester kind of. Doesn't sound. Neither of those sound That's like black a weird people name. names. Chester. That's not a black guy name. I'm no. Wheeler. Not a black guy name. Campbell. Campbell might have been. Campbell. Yeah. yeah. I, could, I could definitely see Chester more than Wheeler, oddly. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, fuck. I don't know. This guy. How you feeling about him? I admire nothing. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the right but answer. But I will say, just a formidable opponent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's what I. Yeah. You're definitely yeah. fucking with the guy that's not like, like fucking. He will, around. Like he does not refuse. He refuses to lose, which mm-hmm. I kind of. Uh, I don't want to say I admire it, but I'm like I do find it impressive to just not take defeat after you're like yeah. You know, like I always liked, I was, I never was this kid, but I always liked the kid who would be like get in trouble and then just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going <laughs> to, well, I'm going to not admit to being in trouble. <laughs> well, it's like, it's not like he never got in trouble. He kept getting in trouble, yeah, but yeah, he just kept finding a way to get out of it. Yeah. Like he wasn't scared about consequence, mm-hmm. which is a, it's just an interesting way to be. And then he just found a way to get past it. All right, Shane, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks Tell us when we can uh, hit you up and follow you. Uh, it's Shane Torres on Instagram and Twitter. Shane is comedian dot com. Uh, check there for dates. And um, yeah, got a podcast coming out with Kyle Kinane soon. So, oh, yeah. Nick, well, is it going to be a nice uh, combo there? Yeah. going to be in hard times. I feel like that's a hard times vibe. No, it no. does seem like it, though. It right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get, I get, <laughs> we should have gone to them. Uh, <laughs> but hey, if he, if Shane's coming to your town, look it up. I couldn't suggest going more. Uh, met you. you this week, but I always feel like you're a friend and uh, happy. Uh, Got to be friends with you, bud. Yeah, Bubba. Thanks for having me. All right. See you guys next time. This is the World on Drugs, Drugs podcast, podcast with Steve Fury <laughs> and my new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> He's in. Kyle Kinane's out. <laughs>